we have been talking uh, for, this will be num week number 10, actually. Can you believe that? Week number 10. Uh, we've been dealing with the subject of uh, living by faith. And to be quite honest with you, the more that I get into this, it's just a never-ending type of message. You know, you can just keep going and going and going. But uh, I'm not sure if we'll go past today or not, but I know we'll do today for sure. So we've been talking about living by faith and the, how important that that is. That's the only avenue whereby we can actually please God is by faith. And that just simply means trust. Amen. Now what I want to deal with today in, a, in my time of prayer over the last several days, I wanted to kind of cap this off today about uh, dealing with distractions. Anybody ever been distracted before? Dealing with distractions? Anybody here? Maybe just a couple of people? Okay. And I would, uh, I would venture to say <laughs> more than ever before that this would be called, considered the age of distractions. Amen. Now, as soon as I say that, something popped in my mind. I guess that's part of my carnal past. But remember the song, The Age of Aquarius? Remember that? The Fifth Dimension? Anybody remember that from the 70s? That kind of dates some of us, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't know why. I just thought The Age of Aquarius, you know. But we're not going to talk about that. But we're talking about the age of distractions and, and how to deal with those things. Because if there's an enemy to your faith, and my faith and your faith, it's going to be distractions that the enemy throws out in front of us to try to distract us away from the things that are really important to us. Amen? It's amazing how, much, how often we spend time doing things and just trying to put out fire, so to speak, you know, when we get our eyes off the main goal in life while, while we're here. Amen? Now, I heard a true story years ago about a... Uh, family that went on vacation and they rented one of these big RVs, you know, those mobile homes, those real big things, you know, and they wanted to go cross country, you know, and, and so they decided to do that and they rented this thing, you know, and of course he wasn't used to driving one of these, these big RVs. They're big, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about? And so uh, long story short, he had just headed out with his family on the trip. They're all excited. And they're going down the road, not too far from where their home was, and uh, a fly got into their uh, RV, okay? One of the windows was open, a big fly came in there, I don't know if it was a horse fly or something. And, uh, and, but the fly kept harassing the driver, okay? It kept flying around his head, and he kept swatting it, and, you know, he told his family, can you get that thing and kill that thing? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, long story short, he got so distracted with that trying to kill that little tiny fly that he ran the RV off the road and went into a ditch and it laid it on its side. Now, that's a great way to start a vacation, isn't it? Okay. And I, I, I got to thinking about this. I heard another minister told me about this, you know, and I thought this was a number of years ago. And I thought, when you think about the size of that vehicle and then the family all there and everything that was in that RV compared to a tiny little fly... And how that little fly became a major distraction that put that RV into a ditch on its side. Isn't that amazing? Okay. Now, I know what it's like to drive something big into a ditch. When I was, in, when I was going to Bible school in 1981 and 82, I, uh, I got a job driving a school bus for Broken Arrow School District, you know. And uh, it was a good job. A lot of the, the Bible school students had worked there. You know, probably 50% of the people or more that worked there worked for Broken Arrow School District. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you know you're in Indian territory when it's Broken Arrow, Broken Bow or something like that. You know what I mean? Or anything like that, you know? 
And, uh, and I'll never forget the first, the first day of my job, the very first day of my job. There's something about that first day, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it, it had rained like cats and dogs. I mean, it was raining and raining and raining. And, uh, and where my stops were, we, we had dirt roads. I mean, this is, now it's different. Now they've paved everything. But back then, they had these country, I mean, country dirt roads. You know what I'm saying? So uh, there was no gravel. It was just mud, okay? And so here I am driving this long school bus, you know, loaded down with kids, okay, going to Bible school. And I'm going down the road, and it's, it's just raining and raining. And the mud just got thicker and thicker in the, uh, on the road. And as I'm going down, I'm looking in my rearview mirror, this big rearview mirror, and all of a sudden the tail end of the bus started going like this. And, I'm like, and I had no control over it. So I put the gas on a little bit more, and it got worse. And before you know it, now if you live in the south, they've got ditches on the side of the road. There's nowhere for the water to go. You ever been in the south? You know what I'm talking about? And that, that school bus went off the side of the road, and the whole entire bus laid down in, on the side of the, the windows were up against the side of the, the, the hillside because it laid down. And so to get out of the school bus, you had to, you had to jump out of the front door where you normally walk in because it was about this high off the ground. And the kids loved that. <laughs> it was like, yeah, this is great. You know, I'm thinking, man, is my job on the line? But then I found out that this was a very common occurrence down there. You know what I'm saying? I'm new to the territory, you know. And uh, then I was thinking about distractions, how that in life, it's not always the big things that create havoc in our lives. Sometimes it is. But sometimes it's just the, the little irritating things that we have to deal with, you know. And if, if, if there was anybody that understood, that when I read my Bible and you read your Bible, if there's anybody that I think understood distractions, major and minor, was the Apostle Paul. We're going to talk about the Apostle Paul this morning. He's, he is certainly one of my heroes in the Bible. In fact, he wrote three-quarter, three-fourths of the New Testament. Think about that. What we meditate, the scriptures that we read and we ponder on, Brother Dan was just sharing something from the Apostle Paul. Okay? Now, I like to say the Spirit of God said through the Apostle Paul because his letters were inspired of God. And so he wrote three-quarters of the New Testament as a, as a result. He, his life and his ministry was a major threat to the kingdom of darkness because we're talking about the up, back upstream where it all started at the beginning of the church age, Right? And Paul was formerly Saul of Tarsus, who was a persecutor of the church. And you know the story. You know, he saw the blinding light. Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus to persecute people, Christians, you know. And he got converted. He got changed. So much so that it knocked the S off his front name and gave him a P. <laughs> he turned from Saul to Paul. Amen. And he had a major encounter with God. And... Uh, but he went through some stuff. How many of you read some things about the Apostle Paul? He went through some stuff. But here's the, here's the cool thing about what the Apostle Paul said. He says, I endure all things for the elect's sake. Let me paraphrase that. He says, I'm going to put up with a lot of stuff for the sake of other people. And those people were not just the people back in his day, but the people now. Amen. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I want to read out of the New Living Translation. Do we have that, Josh? Okay. Let's pick up in verse 23. Just going to read a couple of verses here about what Paul, he kind of gives some 
credentials of some of the things that he went through. It's not an exhaustive list, but it sure is uh, pretty revealing. It says, are, verse 23, are they servants of Christ? Question mark. I know I may sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder. I have been put in prison more often, been whipped time without number, faced death again and again. Verse 24, five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That doesn't mean he was drunk. Okay. Once I was stoned. In fact, he was left for dead. I believe they raised him up from the dead. Oh, the apostles gathered around him and he got raised from the dead. Think about that. Now, one of these things would whip most people. How many of you know that? It's pretty bad when we get whipped over a red light that stays too long. <laughs> okay. But I mean, this guy has gone through. And then verse 25 says, Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Uh, three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night, a day adrift at sea. I have traveled of many long journeys. I have faced danger from the rivers, from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, in the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry, thirsty. I have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Verse 28. And besides all this, the daily burden and my concern for all the churches. Isn't that amazing? He was facing all these outward things, but now this is an inward thing. The care of all the churches. He says, who led astray to, uh, who was led astray and, and do also burn with anger. If I am to boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows that I am not lying. When I was in Damascus, the governor under King Eratos kept guards at the city gates to catch me. I had to be lowered down in a basket through the window of the city to escape from him. We'll stop right there. Now, this is a pretty long list of some things that Paul, he's not bragging, he's just saying this, this is just a matter of fact, you know, and, and here's some of the stuff that I went through, okay? Now, how many of you know if you went, if you went through even one of these things, that'd be a pretty tough day? That man beaten with rods, stoned. I mean, he even said in his book, in the book of Galatians, he says, I bear in my physical body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? People nowadays have tattoos, Right? Okay, we're talking something, <laughs> we're talking severe. I mean, you're stoned and you're beaten and all this kind of stuff. You're going to have marks on your physical body. Now, as we read this about the Apostle Paul, I think to myself, how on God's earth did he deal with this kind of stuff? We think we have problems sometimes. We think we have issues, which we're not making light of that. Okay, all of us have challenges, don't we? But when you compare yourself to what the apostle went through and how God delivered him and he kept the right attitude. Think about it. He kept the right attitude. Remember when they were in, in um, 
in Acts chapter 16 that they were in a certain city, Paul and Silas, and they were, they were, uh, they were beaten, remember that? And they were thrown in prison. And it said at midnight they sang praises to God. They prayed and they sang praises to God. See, he had Paul learn how to have a right attitude even in the midst of jail, in the midst of beatings. Hallelujah. You might say that Paul was in jail, but the jail wasn't in him. Okay? And uh, this, this, this encourage, it challenges me, but it also encourages me to realize the stuff that I go through is nothing compared to what he went through. Okay, Now, what I want to do today is I don't want to just paint a, a, a picture in history of something that happened to the Apostle Paul. I want to show you something today, how we can glean from his ministry and the things that he wrote that will help us to overcome obstacles and hardships when they come our way. Now, Jesus did say, he says, uh, in the world, you're going to have some tribulation. Didn't he say that? Jesus said that. But don't put the period there. He says, but... Be of good cheer because I have overcome the world for you. <laughs> He's overcome that world system for us. Scripture says in Psalm 34, I believe it is, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver us out of them all. Hallelujah. Sometimes people just preach the first part of that. Yep, many are the afflictions of the righteous. You know you're going to go through some hard stuff. Bless the Lord. Well, you've got to read the rest of the story. You've got to read the rest of it. Like Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story, right? You've got to read the rest of the verse. But the Lord shall deliver us out of them all. Amen? Now, it's really important that you and I maintain a healthy, proper attitude, a biblical attitude when we face hardship in life. Because our attitude will determine how fast or how slow we will come out of something. Okay? Anybody can rejoice. Anybody can get excited when everything's going well. There's no effort. There's no resistance. But when your back's up against the wall and things are happening, like Paul and, he, and Silas when they were in jail and their backs were bleeding for being beat and their feet and their hands are in the stocks and they're in a rat-infested prison, okay? These weren't nice places. They didn't have TVs in there. You know what I'm saying? It's a nasty place, all right? And... Um, and yet they sang praises to God. Now I'd venture to say that their physical body did not want to do that. Right? I mean, if you were beat so bad, some of us have taken some tongue lashings here and there, you know what I'm saying? But that's nothing like being physically beat. Okay, where well, you're bleeding physically, right? And, uh, and yet... Even though their feet and their hands were in stocks, they couldn't put their tongue in a stock. They couldn't bind their tongue. So they just said, we're going to worship God in the midst of this thing. I just admire that. Oh, my. You know? And they, they sang praises to God, and the other prisoners heard them. Okay? I'd love to see a movie made about that. That would, that would be a, an awesome movie, wouldn't it? To see what... What Paul went through and how he, he got delivered. And not just, just, not just magnify his sufferings, but the victory that came out of those things. And you know the rest of the story in, in Acts 16 that the, the head of the prison was going to fall on his sword and kill himself because if, they let any, if any prisoners escaped, that meant that was a sure death sentence for the head of the prison. He was going to fall on his sword, okay? 
And Paul says, do yourself no harm. The Bible says God sent an earthquake. Think about that. An angel came down there and shook that whole entire prison there at Philippi. And every man's bands were loosed. So there were people, there were other people in jail there that had bands on them, okay? But when Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God, the prisoners heard them, they probably thought, these are nuts. These guys are crazy. Shut up. Can you imagine? They're probably really ticked off. You know, easy people can get ticked off. They don't understand the things of God. They get mad, okay? They think it's stupid, right? <laughs> Until the power of God shows up. And when the power of God showed up, every man's bands were loosed. And the miracle was none of them escaped. Can you imagine today if all the prison doors opened, how many people would stay in there? <laughs> There'd be skid marks on the sidewalk. I mean, they'd be taken off, right? But none of them left. They all stayed put. Why? Because the presence of God was so strong. And you know, church history has it that the head of that prison became the first pastor in Philippi. Church history has that. Hallelujah. But I thought, you know, it would be so easy to, when you're in that situation to say at midnight, that's the darkest hour, it says Paul and Silas prayed and they sang praises. If that was written today, at midnight, Paul and Silas griped and complained and bellyached. Oh God, we're serving you. Why did this happen? Why did this happen? You know, they didn't even go in that direction. They knew that they were being punished for righteousness' sake. And so they just, they kind of, Jesus said, when they, when they persecute you, he said, jump for joy. <laughs> Get all excited. Don't take it personal. That's something we have to all learn is like sometimes persecution comes, even from Christians sometimes. It's not, just, not just from unbelievers, but persecution sometimes can come from believers that are not living right. And their conscience is condemning them. And so to make them feel better, they have to criticize you to make them feel better about themselves. Are you with me now? Um, but needless to say, they begin to sing praises. And God sent an earthquake, you know, and the, the rest is history. I mean, God just sent a revival in that place, you know. But let's go, uh, let, let's go over to the book of Acts for a minute, chapter 20. I want to show you something here this morning. Uh, when I saw this a few years ago, it, it really helped me greatly. Uh, because what the Apostle Paul did, we're supposed to, the Scripture tells us that we are to follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, was Paul one of those people? One person got it. Was Paul one of those people? Through faith and patience you inherit the promises. Well, I can, I can look at Paul and say, I want to follow that man. Okay? I may not know him in the flesh, but I can read about him. Right? I can follow his attitude. I can follow his example. And I would venture to say that Paul the Apostle was a very positive individual. Amen? And he didn't read Norman Vincent Peale's book, The Power of Positive Thinking. Okay? That's a good book, okay? But he didn't read that. Where did his positive attitude come from? It came from God. Amen? See, here's the thing. 
How many of you ever had a problem before? Raise your hand. As soon as you found out what the Word of God said, that problem technically is done. You hear me? Say, oh, I've got all kinds of problems, Brother Keith. No, you don't. Not when you find out what the Bible says, because that's your answer. Amen? R.W. Schambach used to say this. He would start out his program. How many of you remember R.W. Schambach? Oh, the voice of power is on the air. Glory to God. <laughs> and uh, evangelists. He, he would say this. You don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. And he, uh, you ever hear that statement before? And somebody asked him one time, what, why did you come up with that phrase? Why, that's part of his radio broadcast, you know. And he explained, I heard him explain this one, on one occasion, probably more than once. And he said that there was a guy, he was talking about this guy that had a terminal disease and uh, given up to die. And he said he was in uh, the hospital. This guy came up and told him later. And uh, he said the priest came in and gave him his last rites. In other words, in just a few short hours, you're going to be history. You're checking out. You're going to die, right? The, the doctors gave up. They said, there's no way you're going to be healed. You're going to die. So the priest came in. He was Catholic. Gave him his last rites. Okay, that's not a very positive thing, right? He said the, the, the priest in the black garment stepped out. But he said, as soon as he stepped out of the room, another priest in a white garment stepped through the wall. And it was Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and smiled. And he, isn't that like Jesus? He wasn't expecting this. Jesus walked right through the wall. And he looked at him and he smiled. He says, you don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. How would you like to have that happen to you? And here the guys, they're, they're saying, you're dead, you're gone, that's it. Jesus appears to him and says, you don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. And Jesus said, go get a New Testament and read the New Testament. The guy ended up getting saved, ended up getting healed. And he came back and he testified this to R.W. Schambach. And that's where he came up with the phrase. Jesus said, you don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. Why is it sometimes that faith irritates people? They said, oh, I've heard so much about faith, 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 faith. I've heard enough about faith. Well, that, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. That is the victory. Faith in Him, faith in Jesus. We're not talking about something we can do. Amen. See, people often mistake that they think they're so great down there. They're saying, I can do this, I can do that. It's not a matter what we can do. I can, like Paul says, I can do all things, but not put the period there. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We're not talking about anything that we can do. No flesh can glory in His presence. Jesus bought and paid for victory for you and for me in this life. And sometimes we need to be a cheerleader, a cheerleader unto ourselves and we need to encourage ourselves in the Lord our God. Amen. Amen. Sometimes you've got to look yourself in the mirror and say, come on, we're going to have a good talking right now. Now listen to me. <laughs> look, in, look at yourself in the faith and you encourage yourself. Say, hey, we're not going to have a pity party right now. We're not going to be crying the blues. We're not going to go in the room and shut the blinds and eat chocolate cake. <laughs> 
It's amazing people, the things that people do other than biblical things to try to get victory. Amen. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. I mean, think about it. David's, David had a rough day one day. And the people, you know, the enemy came, stole their wives and their children and so forth. And the very people that followed David turned their back on him. And they said, he's the real reason we're in this problem. He's the one. And they spake about, they talked about stoning David, their leader, their good leader. Think about that. And they were all going to turn against David, but David went and encouraged himself and the Lord his God. Can you encourage yourself and the Lord your God? If David could, he's Old Testament. You know that you and I can and one of the ways that you encourage yourself in the Lord is to remind yourself of past victories over problems that you had. Because sometimes we tend to forget. I mean, I do sometimes. You know, sometimes I forget about some of the jams I was in. Oh, dear God. Things you didn't plan on happening to happen. They're like, oh, Lord, I need your help right now. But you saw him come through for you. Now, it may have been a little time ago, but he did come through for you. And we shouldn't forget those things. We need to remind ourselves, yep, I remember when I was in that jam, I didn't know how I was going to come out of this situation. How many of you had a few of those in your life? But sometimes we as human beings, we tend to forget the things that God did for us. Now, past victories should be a launch pad for current issues that you're facing in your life. You might have a problem with your physical body. You might have a problem on the job. You might have a problem in your family. You might have a problem in your finances. Could be anything. But the God that delivered other people will deliver you as well. Amen. Praise God forevermore. Let's go to Acts chapter 20. And let's look at, I believe this is the key to not only Paul's, the apostle's success. This is how he made it through. And I tell you what, God delivered him. Even from the thorn in the flesh. Remember that? The devil just was constant. It wasn't sickness. It wasn't eye disease like some people say. It wasn't, a, it wasn't sickness and disease. Okay? It was trouble everywhere he went. There was a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him everywhere he went. Okay? To try to stop and squelch the move of God and the revelation that he had. Okay? So in Acts chapter 20 and verse 20... This is after Paul's conversion, of course, you know, um, several years later. And let's look at verse 20. Paul said this, I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but I have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. You see, Paul, his attitude was, I don't care if I'm in a public setting with hundreds of people, yea, thousands of people, I'll do this from house to house. Paul wasn't moved by that, Okay. He says, I kept back nothing that was profitable to you. Now, I love that attitude because as a minister, I can identify with this. If, if God reveals something to me, I don't know everything. No one minister knows everything, but there are certain things I do know. And there are certain things God has revealed to me. I don't want to keep it to myself and, and hoard it to myself. I want to be able to take and much of the time when I'm sharing with you, I'm sharing with you out of a heart of experience of things that I've gone through that help me so that I can help you. 
ultimately God help you. And Paul said, I've kept back nothing that was profitable to you. Amen? How many of you know it's a great day when you can help somebody? Amen? I'll tell you, I get, I, if I get one report back from someone that got help, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Sometimes I'll go weeks and weeks and weeks and not hear anything. Okay? And it's not that I'm looking for a pat on the back. I'm not looking for that, you see. My goal is to, if I can help you. Someone came up to me recently and said, you know, I was listening to one of your sermons. And it's not someone in this church. And they, they said, uh, said, man, I just want you to know that. And this is something I preached way back, you know, a few years ago. And they said, uh, and that really helped me. And I thought, thank you, Jesus. Because that's what it's all about. See, it's not about it like how good your sermon is a preacher, how good your sermon is. The goal is, is not to be, you can have a good sermon, but forget everything that was said, right? But the, the goal of a message really is to communicate the heart of God to people and to give them a supernatural hope. Because I know what it's like to be in a church service. This happened many, many years ago before I was even in the ministry. And I'd sit in the church with all these people, you know, and, and man, I was going through something and I just... I heard what was going on. I could hear the preacher, but I just had ho lack of hope in my heart that I could be helped. You know what I mean? And so I know what that feels like when you feel like hopeless. And of course, the devil's always going to be showing you other people that they don't look at that family over there. They don't have any problems. Look at how good they are. Everything, they're dressed properly, they look properly, they drive a nice car. They don't have any problems. And the devil's so good at doing that, he's a liar. Okay? Even people you think that don't have problems have problems. Okay? Amen? amen. Thank you for those three amens back there. <laughs> amen? But uh, Acts chapter 20, okay, he says, I, in verse 21, 20, it says, I kept back nothing that was profitable to you, but I've showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Verse 21, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God. Now that simply means an about face, a change, a turn. Every one of you in this room have repented when you're driving your car. You're driving down a road and you decide to go another direction. You just repented. Okay? You were going to get on this street, but you decided to get on this street. That's repentance. It means a change of mind. Okay? We've always associated with repentance as, oh God, I'm so sorry. I'm, oh God, I'm so sorry. Now that's part of it. But repentance just means a change of mind, shifting the way that you think. All of us in this room can come up higher in our attitude towards the Word of God, our attitude towards life. Amen? When the devil's used to pressing your button, when you go through a hard place, and he comes up and he pushes your button with some pressure, you know, and he's used to you responding in a certain negative manner. But this time when he presses your button and you respond with, Lord, I trust you, I thank you, <laughs> he's like, what do I do now? I just pressed... I just gave, I shot my best shot at that person, that man or that woman, and now they're praising God? When he was used to us 
when something bad would happen, we'd be like, oh, God, what's going to happen now? You know what I mean? But when we shift in the way we think and we respond to him differently, we're going to come out differently. Hallelujah. Listen, when you're hearing, when you're hearing messages like this and in other places as well, it will challenge you. But I, you know what? We all need to be challenged. I don't think a message is really good unless you're really challenged. Sometimes I go home and listen to my own messages. <laughs> Not all the time, but sometimes I'll go and say, yep, I need to do that. I need to work on that. Amen? Because I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching it myself as well. See, we go through things just like you go through things. Okay? But he says, uh, verse 21, testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repent toward God. Faith knows faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he taught. And now verse 22, here's what Paul said. For now I go, he is, behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, knowing things that shall befall me there. Notice what he says. Save the Holy Ghost witness unto me in every city, saying, Bonds and afflictions abide me. <laughs> now someone said, did you get a good prophecy or a bad prophecy? He said, everywhere I go, the Holy Ghost will start speaking up. Somebody will prophesy. They'll say, bonds and afflictions await you. <laughs> right? So what's going on here? The Spirit of God is warning him of, of what is to come. What's going to take place. Now most people, if they heard that, bonds and afflictions await you, they'd say, you know, maybe I'm really not called. <laughs> Second guess it. I don't know about this. You know, it's a little too hard. I'm a little too much to chew off right here. But he said right here, he said uh, Agabus was one of the prophets that bound his, took his belt as an example and said the man that owns this belt is going to be bound, you know. And so, you know, the Holy Spirit's showing him things to come, things that are going to take place. He said, verse 23, the Holy Ghost witnessed to me in every city that bonds and afflictions abide me or wait me. But notice verse 24. Now, here's the clincher right here. Are you ready? But none of these things move me. Can I have one amen? amen? Paul said, I know what's, what's going to take place. I know what's going to happen. I know the sufferings that are up ahead. He, you know, our, our, our spiritual ancestor, just like our natural ancestors, and it, it saddens my heart when I see people despising, you know, God put us in America. He didn't put us in another country. He put us here. And it, it, it's despicable to see people that disrespect the flag and disrespect this country and start degrading. Is our country perfect? No. But I'll tell you what, God raised up this country for such a time as this. Oh, hallelujah. How many of you like being patriotic? Not just on the 4th of July. Whew. Man. Man, I have such respect for our military and the people that have been served in any capacity in the military, you know, and even policemen and things like that. I have such respect for these people, for the, laying their lives on the line for us, you know. But I tell you, there's a lot of people today, especially younger people, 
that are being taught very evil, bad things in our colleges about our, the history of our country. They're being deceived by these idiot professors. And that's what they are. It's, it's brainless. It's idiotic what they're teaching about the history of our country, trying to brainwash the young people of our nation to think that we're this corrupt nation, we're this elite nation, you know, and have this wrong attitude. That's where socialism has come out of it. That's why you hear so much about socialism. Has there ever been a country yet that has survived and, and, and gone forward in a positive light that was socialist? Uh-uh. Just look at Argentina. Just look at the different countries that had a socialist person behind it and a mindset. Destroys. It destroys people. It destroys economies. It destroys families. I'm not trying to be political. But Paul, these patriot, patriarchs and these are patriots too. The Apostle Paul and the different apostles that's, you know, these are the forefathers. You know, these are the charter members of the church. This is where it all started here, okay? They paid a tremendous price for the freedoms that you and I have today. And that's no different than the, the people that have gone to war and shed blood uh, so that you and I in our country can have the freedoms that we do, and a lot of people take that for granted, okay? But our, our, our spiritual forefathers, like the Apostle Paul, man, we should have utmost respect because the, the, the hardships and the tests and the trials that they endured, they endured them. They didn't just put up with them. They endured them so that you and I could have the revelation that we have today. Can you imagine if Paul would have gave up in the middle of this thing? Man, you, would, you wouldn't have nearly the, the letters that we have today, three-fourths of the New Testament that Paul wrote. That Paul said, I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Remember that? He said, I've finished my race. I've finished my course. Glory to God. And he says, now I'm, I'm ready to be offered up. He didn't, the devil couldn't kill me. He says, now I'm ready to offer up myself as a, will, as a sacrifice. Glory be to God. Amen. And it says right here, verse 24, none of these things move me. Let's say that together. None of these things move me. Now, there, there, here is the key right now. Not only for Paul, but this is the key for you and for me to make it through hard times. Okay? There, there are some times that I went through some hard times, and it seemed like it was an eternity. Uh, it, it was like, is this ever going to change? You know what I'm saying? Month after month, year after year goes by, and you're like, whew. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But Paul said, all this stuff that's going on around me, he says, I'm not moved by that. Okay? Now, Smith Wigglesworth, you've heard that name before, said this. 24 people raised from the dead, you know, graveyard dead, were raised up from the dead under his ministry. 24 people. Documented. Okay? The man knew something about God. He knew God very tightly. Okay? He was from the, an Englishman from the UK and he only had a third grade education. But he knew God. Praise God. And he says, he, 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 he kind of coined this statement. He says, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved by the word of God. Amen? 
Hallelujah. Brother Glenn back there, I see him back there. He comes in and helps out for many, many years now, help him with the church and set up and tear down, that kind of thing, and always has a great attitude. Always has a good attitude. It just, it just blesses me. And, and he'll, he'll go through some stuff. He'll come in and he'll be speaking what the Word of God says. Amen? And God's pleased with that. He's pleased with that. Now, I wasn't planning on saying that, but he's very pleased with your heart attitude. You're not just trying to be positive. You're speaking from the, from the Word. You're speaking from God's heart. Amen? And that's very refreshing. Hallelujah. But Paul said this, None of these things move me. And then he went on to say, I count not my life uh, dear unto myself that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. My goodness. Now jump down to uh, 27. It says, For I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. Then verse 28 Excuse me. It says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves. Now he's writing this to the shepherds and the, sh- and the pastors. Now he says, Take heed therefore to yourselves and to the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, and feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Hallelujah. He's telling the shepherds, he's telling the pastors, even back then, it's no different today. He said, take heed to yourselves and to the flock over which God hath made you overseers and to feed the church of God. Now what are we supposed to feed you? T-bone steak? No, something better than that. The Word of God. Amen? Now actually, if you stop and think about it, we're a restaurant. We're in the food business. You just didn't know that till now. And when you come, you are going to get a spiritual feeding. I guarantee you. There has never been a service in, in many, 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 many years that I've been in the ministry. And I can say that with full confidence that when people come, they will be fed a five-course meal of the Word of God. Now, maybe they don't quite see it like that at first. Maybe that's not that important to them. But let me tell you something. There are different reasons why people come to churches, right? There's different reasons why people come. But the most important reason that any of us should come to church is to get good feeding from the good Word of God that will help us and nourish us. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And I can tell you with utmost confidence, it has nothing to do with me, we feed you the good Word of God. And that Word will, ch- will help you. It will lift you up. It will challenge you. It will strengthen you. And it will give you the, the necessary tools that it takes to overcome obstacles in this life. Amen? Many, year, many times through the years I've tried to help different people. And one of the most difficult things for me is trying, and I've had to learn this, is trying to help people when they don't really want help. Oh, that's, that's rough. Because you know that what, what the information that you have and the knowledge that you have can really help that person. Amen? I've talked to people through the years that just get discouraged. They quit coming to church. They quit coming around the things of God. They quit coming. 
you know. And uh, it doesn't have to be that way. I said, honey, you know, God has the answer. Oh, I know, Pastor Keith, but, you know, I can have church in my bedroom. I can have church in my garage, you know. That's not the same. That's not the same. Are you with me now? And there is supernatural help. I'm telling you, when you come here on Sundays, okay, there is supernatural help for you to get out of the mess that you're in. Okay? So don't let the enemy deceive you and say, well, there's another way. No, Jesus says, I am the way. The Word of God is the way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The Word of God is the way, the truth, and the life. It's the same, Jesus is the Word. Okay? Say, my answer, my answer. is all in the Word. Word. Okay? And so, that's what I just heard this preacher say that. In fact, it was um, um, Bill Winston. How many of you like Bill Winston? I love Bill Winston. Oh, I love that man. I love his ministry. Man, I'm telling you what. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Amen. Got to hear me some brother Bill Winston. Hallelujah. I just love that man's ministry. I love the spirit that's coming out of him, you know. And he's, he's got a true shepherd's heart, too. He's not just a preacher. He's got a shepherd's heart. I've met the man. He's a tremendous man. And... Uh, he said, you know, you, might, you come and you got all these problems. He said, when you got the word, he goes, that's where I got that from. He says, he goes, you don't have a problem anymore. You got the word for it. Your problem just ended when you found the word. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't shout me down now because I'm preaching real good here. Okay. So Paul says, none of these things move me. Let's talk about that in the time left that we have here. Uh, if you all want to get the communion stuff prepared, is it ready already? The elements? Okay. Um, there are times, and maybe even right now, where you'll have to tell yourself, praise the Lord, I'm not moved by this. Say that with me. I'm not moved by my current situation. Praise the Lord. Now let's say it with a little conviction. No. I'm not moved by this current situation. Hallelujah. See, sometimes the way you say it means everything to you. You can say it, but there's no. if you're not persuaded and you're not convinced, it'll be like a parrot just saying it. Paul says, none of these things move me. I'm not moved by this. You know, say it with some conviction. That's the way we need to be. I am not moved by this. Okay? There's nothing wrong with being passionate. Okay? It's good to be passionate with your spouse, right? Amen. It's good to be passionate with God. Okay? God's passionate about you. Amen. You know, God just doesn't just tolerate you. Aren't you glad for that? Can you imagine that if God just tolerated you? You're like, oh, here, you, here he comes again. Here she comes again. What do you want now? Can you imagine if God responded to you that way? Who are you going to turn to? <laughs> I mean, we're talking the Father, right? 
that Jesus is actually celebrating you, not just tolerating you. Have you ever had anybody just tolerate you before? They're kind of like, they're just kind of putting up with you. Am I the only person that's ever happened to? Okay. But there's a big difference when someone, I'm not saying tripping over you, you know what I'm saying, but I'm saying someone that, well, they're glad to see you. Man, it's great to see you. You know what I mean? I like to say that to people when I talk to them. It's great to see you. Someone will ask me, how you doing? Somebody asked me that. I'll say, I'm real good now because I'm talking to you. People go, he, he, that's a cute little saying. But listen, I mean it. Because if I'm talking to you, I'm happy. Okay? It's not, I'm just like, oh, here comes so-and-so again. He's just waltzing through the door. You know what I'm saying? What's up? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what if God said, what's up? <laughs> no, no, Jesus. Catch this. I mean, he's, got, he's full of personality. Okay? And he likes to express his personality on you because if you saw the way he really sees you, you would never be the same again. I've gotten glimpses of how the Father sees me in the last few years. And it has forever changed my life. I am not the same person. I will never be the same again. I mean, it just does something to me. When you realize that the Lord loves you unconditionally, it's faults and all. We're not perfect in the flesh. None of us are. Yet, in spite of that, God is perfect passionate about you. He loves you. And that's the thing about God that draws you to him. And guess what? Other people can and will experience God and his ministry through you. Because he uses your face, your vocal cords, your eyes, your personality to reveal to other people the way he is. And this, the, God, some, the, the only God that some people will see is the God that they see in you and me. Hallelujah. And God wants to express himself to you than through you. Did you get that? Because when I grew up and I was in a, my dead Methodist church. Oh. And I, when I say dead, I'm talking dead, man. It was like... Religion, it was terrible. And I thought, man, if this is the sum total of everything that God is, man, I don't even want to go to heaven. I'm thinking this. This is horrible. These people are miserable. There are people in that Methodist church, man, they were, they were upset about everything. You know what I'm saying? You, you got that women's group over there, man, they're always complaining about this and that. I know because I worked in the church. I was a, a janitor in, a, in my Methodist church when I was in when I was like 13, 14 years old. And it was, I mean, it was a good job to begin with. The pay was good, at least I thought it was. But man, I got in there and I saw the politics and I saw the people that were there. And even the, even the minister that was there, he was as mean as the devil. Okay? <laughs> he really was. He was like, are you kidding me? You know? And thank God he left the ministry and went and did a secular job because he was not called of God. I can tell you that he did not have the call of God. He was miserable. He was moody with people, irritable with people. 
And then the women's groups that were there and stuff, you know, they were always complaining about this thing and that thing. And, you know, and you didn't clean this good enough, you know what I'm saying? And, okay, you know. Anyway, don't mean to go on about that. But, but sometimes our, our past has a way of, is this all there is? Is this the way God really is? If people see that, and our eyes are more open to it, this is the way God is. I know Brother Dan was referring to this about people in, in, when he was ministering to the offering, people that have gone to heaven and have come back. They've been on the other side and they were permitted to see certain things and they came back. And I have, I have studied this for years and years, uh, for many years now, about people, they call it near-death experiences. Well, it wasn't near-death, they were dead. They, they left their body, they went to heaven, you know. And there's, I mean, I've studied this, people, authentic situations where people really left and they came back. And it seems to me that the common thread throughout all the different people that I've studied and watched on YouTube and, you know, and watched, you know the fake and you know the real, okay? But the common thread that I see, and I'll kind of close with this and then we'll receive our communion this morning, is people... Now, these are Christians, of course, all right? Because you can't go to heaven unless you're a Christian, right? <laughs> and so these are people, and for the most part, they weren't really serving God while they were on the earth. They were, they were saved. They had their fire insurance. You know, they're not, they're not going to hell, right? <laughs> and so they're not really living for God. They know they're saved, and that's about it, but they're not really serving God. They're not really living for God. And to their utter amazement, one guy was on the operating table and he died on the operating table and he floated up and he said, he looked down and he says, my God, that's my, that's my body. What am I doing looking down at my body? Okay? In the operating room. In fact, when he came back to life, he told the doctors what they were talking about. He told the nurses what kind of shoes they had on. They said, how in the world did you know that? Because you were in a coma and then you flatlined, okay? He says, I was more alive after that than I was before that because his spirit left his body and he's looking down on his body prior to going right to heaven, okay? <laughs> and, uh, and, he's, and this guy said, along with some other people, said the very same thing. They don't even know each other. Is that when you get to heaven, heaven is a real place. And it's like liquid love. You, the, he said that you, ex, you experience... And these are some people that really didn't serve God. They were saved, but they weren't serving God, you know. And they said that, and Dan, you know this because you've heard this too, that the love that they experience is nothing like on earth. The absolute, total uh, God looking at them, Jesus looking at them in heaven with, with no condemnation, not looking down his nose at them, but with absolute love. They never felt acceptance. They never felt love like that. There's nothing to describe it on earth that would even compare to that. And they would have this thing called a life review. Almost every one of them have a life review. And it's like a little screen that comes up. And they see themselves in childhood. They see themselves in grade school. And it's like within seconds they see the whole thing. Okay? But there's no condemnation. But the Lord is showing them here's how things could have been different. Here's how things could change. But it wasn't like knocking them over the head, making them feel bad, you know. And many of these people had the opportunity to not only go to heaven, but to come back on the earth. And when they came back, boy, I'm telling you what, things were changed. Things were differently. 
because they began to realize the overwhelming sense of God's acceptance and God's love towards them. How can that not change a person? Amen? Do you know that there's nothing that you can do to make God fall out of love with you? Well, when I was growing up, I, th- I was taught, is assumed that, you know, if you do more for God, He'll love you more. Right? A works mentality. But the truth of the matter is, the Bible says God loved us, agaped us, while we were yet sinners, while we weren't even saved. And the love of God has nothing to do with what we do for Him. It's what He did for us. Unconditional love. Man, when you serve a God that loves you unconditionally, even if you're not perfect in the flesh, it doesn't matter. When you understand and you receive that love, like John the Apostle Paul said, we have known the love of God and we believe in the love of God that He has towards us. You can know about God's love. Right? It's kind of like that that phrase, you know, God is good and someone says, all the time. Sounds a little corny. You know, and people just... But no, God is good. You understand how good He is. Not all the time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You ever heard that phrase before? Yeah. Cute little saying. But the fact is, oh man, my hands like burn when I feel this, you know, is that I want to be consumed. We can be consumed with the love of God. And there's no fear in love. Because when you know God loves you, He's going to take care of you. This will help you get through many a hardships and trials. You said, no, I'm not moved by this because God loves me. He's going to help me get through this thing. And then just give those cares. Like, this is your care. And you just give it to Him. You leave it in His hands because He is the one that's going to fix it. He is the one that's going to take care of it. A couple of weeks ago, I had some something happen, you know, and Oh, man, at, at first it was this care that tried to come on me. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, whew, man, it just, it just was overwhelming. <laughs> but I know what the Word of God says. You cast your cares upon the Lord, for He cares for you. Okay? Just a few short weeks ago. And, and, and so I'm out praying. I'm out there taking a walk, and I'm praying. And I said, Father... I give this care to you right now in the name of Jesus. Now, I didn't feel anything special. I didn't feel anything different. But I just, by faith, I'm not moved by this. I cast the care of this into your hands right now, Father. Now, I went about my day, okay, and the thought would still come back to me. What about that situation? What about that care? What about that care? And I would say out loud, I'd say, it's in the Father's hands. I, I don't have that care anymore. I'm, I refuse to have a bad day about this. I'm not going to murmur, gripe, and complain today. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. And you know what? In just two days, that whole thing turned itself around. Completely. Hallelujah. Now, I say that because God loves you. He says, bring your cares to me because I care for you. I love you. I, I don't want you to be burdened. I don't want you to be... F- full of worry okay and sometimes we tend to worry about things we tend to worry about family members and we want to worry about finances and we were about our bodies and we were the list goes on and on right 
The fact of the matter is God cares about every one of those things. He is your great caretaker. <laughs> Say, Jesus, Jesus is my caretaker. He's taken them all. Amen. Yeah, I guarantee you, you'll be challenged in this area because when you cast your care upon the Lord, oh, oh yeah. The enemy, he's persistent cuss. He'll come back and he'll say, oh, what about that situation? What about that situation? You say, devil, I don't have it. Say it out loud. I don't have it. God has it. If you're going to talk to anybody about it, you go to God and you talk about it and he's not going to do that. Because when you leave the care of your care, it's not your care. It's his care. And you might say, God told this to me, spoke this to me one time. He says, Keith, I'm a selfish God. I said, I didn't understand when he said that to me. He said, I'm a selfish God. He goes, he goes I don't want you to have any cares. I want all of them. I knew what he meant by that. He's not sharing our cares with him. You know, we got half of it. He's got half of it. Let's make it 50-50 you know, no, no, no. He wants every one of your cares. He doesn't want you having those cares and worries and anxiety. He wants to have it all. Hallelujah. And he wants you to lay down at night, put your head on the pillow, fall asleep. Just like Jesus in the middle of a storm with his disciples in the boat. Who's the only one sleeping in the boat on a pillow in the back of the boat? Jesus. And there's a big storm going on. The disciples are freaking out thinking they're going to die, and they woke up Jesus. They said, don't you care? We're about to die. What, you know, what's the deal here? Listen, if Jesus is in your boat, you can have peace in the middle of a storm because it's going to turn out. Hallelujah. <laughs> I can't whisper that. I'm sorry. I can't. When Jesus is in your boat, it is going to work out. <laughs> 